We're back. And welcome back. It is another episode. Saturday 6. We are here. Welcome back. Another episode. I'm AJ here with my brother Tyler. What's going on, man? Another week. Week 8. I'm excited. Let's get it going. How are we eight weeks into this college football season already, man? It's just it we jump so heavy into each week, and um, it just seems like they are absolutely flying by. We are more than halfway through the season already. Most of these teams have played at least six, some of them seven games already. Um, we're we're past the halfway point and getting into some really, really good conference matchups. Right. We're getting into the heart of everybody's schedule, but I think these games are just getting better and better uh, each week. I mean, we're seeing so many more top 25 on top 25 matchups. It's really exciting to see. Yeah, and I mean, last week's games were were great. I mean, we had some that were blowouts, but some of them came right down to the last play of the game. Um, some really thrilling uh, and exciting action. Um, some things that we did not see coming at all, and then some games that uh, you particularly uh, picked against the spread and did pretty well. Four and two for you against the spread last week. I didn't do quite as well. Um, we'll we'll kind of try to skim right past that part of it. That's how I but, do. Uh, yeah, some of these spreads were were right on the number like we expected them to be, and one play here or there kind of pushed them in in the opposite direction. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into those picks from last week. We had a top 10 ranked showdown, Nittany Lions from Penn State on the road going to the big house at Michigan, who's ranked number five in the poll last week. And Penn State was a seven-point road underdog, the Wolverines getting seven at home. What did you think about this game? Because we both picked Penn State to cover that seven points, and it was just an absolute blowout, dude. We were expecting run-heavy we expected um, Penn State to be able to run the ball, Michigan to be able to run the ball, and we were right on one of those. But I would like to touch, you know, we I spoke at nauseum uh, going off on a little bit of a tangent last week about who's going to help their quarterback out the most and make them not have to do as much, and that is Michigan. Uh, their tandem of running backs was able to run all over this Nittany Lions defense. Whereas uh, Sean Clifford had a heavy workload because they were down early. Uh, yeah. So they're playing catch up for most of the game. Then uh, we see Sean Clifford go out of the game and they actually put in the freshman quarterback for the first time, which was kind of interesting for me. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, we were expecting, you know, both of these teams try to take the pressure off of the quarterback. Michigan, obviously able to do that. You know, we touched on Blake Corum and how explosive he's been in some of their games so far this year, but we haven't talked about this kid Edwards, and he almost looked like the better back in this game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, both running backs got it done. I think the big thing for me is just broken tackles. I mean, they were playing hard-nosed football, and they were, you know, getting yards after first contact, which is huge. Yeah, I agree. And really, this was the last test – for maybe the first and last test for Michigan before the notable matchup at the end of the season in late November against Ohio State. 
So, you know, a couple weeks off here, not weeks off, but they're playing big, big 10 competition that isn't really competition from what we expect. So getting past this and, you know, acing this test with flying colors, I think was huge for Michigan. But let's go ahead and move on. Let's touch on another game that we had high expectations for last week. And dude, holy shit, this one lived up to the expectations. I mean, <laughs> we could spend 30 minutes probably talking about this game, but uh, Alabama on the road against number six, Tennessee last week. And uh, that Neyland Stadium crowd was ready to go from the beginning. And Tennessee jumped out to a huge lead. What happened from there? Yeah, so I gave two outcomes to this game. And I almost uh, – I did hit on one, and then the other one was a very likely outcome that I almost hit on. Uh, the first one was Tennessee getting out to a huge lead and being able to dominate Alabama uh, which is what it looked like through the first two quarters of this game. Yeah. Alabama not really uh, being able to get much going. And that was a big part of Alabama playing the most undisciplined game of football that I've maybe ever seen. Uh, the entire game, they have 19 penalties for over 100 yards and penalty yards. Um, and then Tennessee, man, I mean, they freaking battled and they actually – absolutely exposed Alabama uh, in the secondary. Tennessee had uh, two wide receivers that were blowing the top off of uh, Alabama's secondary, and uh, that to go along with just some silly mistakes on Alabama's part. You had a muff punt recovered by Tennessee deep in uh, Alabama territory. Uh, it was all just uh, absolute disaster for Alabama, not the game that you'd like to see them play. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. I think um, you touched on two big points there. Um, just Bama shooting themselves in the foot and uh, something that's really uncharacteristic for them. I, You know, when you think about Nick Saban's teams, you, you really think about discipline and you think about them um, not beating themselves. And the opposite was really the case, you know, against Tennessee. Like you, you touched on penalties, you touched on a muff punt, um, fumbling the ball. Uh, it was just one of the more sloppy games that I've ever seen from Alabama. And, you know, at one point they're down 21 to seven, they're down 28 to 10. I mean, Tennessee jumped on them quick. And then you start to see Alabama get some momentum and they start coming back in the third quarter and early in the fourth quarter. And you're just waiting because you know, it's coming because they do it all the time. Um, we've seen it happen with our Georgia Bulldogs a few times, unfortunately, where, a team jumps on Alabama early, and then their depth shows up, um, their talent shows up, their discipline, their coaching shows up, and they're able to come back and eke out a win like they did against Texas, like they get it, did against Texas A&M. Um, but that was just not the case, and it almost makes me – it makes me feel like that might be a bigger theme for Alabama, not only this year, but as a program as a whole. I just think we're seeing a softer version of Alabama. Would you agree? I just feel like they're more finesse than they've ever been in under Nick Saban in the last 15 years. They were early in the Nick Saban era. It was, we're going to play good defense. We're going to run the ball down your throat. We're going to take play, play action shots when we, when we need to. And now it just seems like, you know, we're playing seven on seven and we're going to try to outscore the team. 
And that's exactly where Tennessee wants to play that game. If Tennessee is in a low-scoring game here against Alabama, they're sweating. But if Tennessee is in the is scoring 40-plus points, scoring 50-plus points, that's exactly where they want to be with their offense. And it just seems like, as a whole, Alabama's program has kind of gotten away from what has won them championships in the past. They don't play good defense. They are very thin at the playmaker spot, um, especially at wide receiver. They don't have any weapons on offense aside from Jameer Gibbs. And it felt like in the fourth quarter when they could have leaned on Gibbs some, they really got away from it and were just trying to pass their way back into the game when I felt like they could have uh, fed him a little bit more. I agree with you with a lot of the critiques on Alabama. I will have to disagree on one point. You say this is uh, a little bit of a softer Alabama team. If you tell me last week that Alabama scores 49 points in this game, I tell you that they come out with the win. I think this is more of a testament to how well Tennessee played against a good Alabama team than how poorly Alabama played. They still put up 49 points. Tennessee just played their national championship game and went out and handled business. And they only come away with a three-point win. And that was in the very last second of the game. One second on the clock, they kicked the field goal for the win for a walk-off. It's not like uh, Tennessee had this thoroughly handled throughout the whole game. Emma was up seven points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, no, I I think we'll just have to agree to disagree on this one because, look, I'm not taking anything away from Tennessee. They played a hell of a game, but they almost found a way to lose it there at the end as well. Like, if Alabama – if Alabama's kicker is able to nail that field goal, then they're kicking off. And I don't think Tennessee's able to go the full length of the field to tie it up um, or to, uh, to score a touchdown to win that game. So I don't know. I think this was more about Alabama for me and just where that program is headed overall and less about you know, Tennessee's a good team. Tennessee might be a great team. We'll find that out in a few weeks when they go on the road to Athens and play the Georgia Bulldogs. But um I don't know. This was more about Alabama losing this game to me and where their program is at um, as a whole versus uh, Tennessee just coming out and uh, getting a, a good win. But um, we'll give the credit where credit is due to the Vols. We know that they were partying their butts off uh, on Saturday in Knoxville. So uh, big win for the Vols. They get a, a couple of easy matchups here in the next couple of weeks before they show down against uh, the Bulldogs, which it's looking like that might be a top three uh, ranked showdown so that should be very interesting but it'll definitely decide who goes to the sec championship absolutely yep for sure let's move on let's go to the acc you had two top 25 teams number 15 nc state was last week as they went on the road against an undefeated syracuse team syracuse had some momentum rolling here and uh nc state without their quarterback devin leary we were both on the side of the orange here, and they get a very convincing win. Their defense looked good. 24-9, to nine, I believe, is the final score in that one. Um, so big win there for the orange. What did you take away from that one? Yeah, North Carolina State, their defense, I've been saying it all year since we've mentioned them. It's not what I want to see from them. It's got a lot of holes, a lot of questions still needing to be answered as far as you know their front seven goes, in my opinion. And Syracuse is on a roll. They've done some really big things this far. Uh, and they've got some absolute playmakers. So it'll be interesting to see how they 
uh, fair in their contest this week, which we'll get into a little bit more against Clemson. Yeah, big showdown this week with Clemson. That's why we wanted to touch on Syracuse. Yeah, they, they've got they've got a tough schedule in front of them. I'm not still fully convinced on Syracuse. Um, I got a feeling we probably won't talk about NC State much more on this podcast for the rest of the season. But oh, um, oh no, not my friends. I know. Do you finally feel justified uh, about your letter there to the Wolfpack? Yeah, I mean they made me eat my words once, uh, but overall, it's just they've got a good foundation to go off of but it this isn't the year that's all it is i mean they're not a bad team this is just isn't their year to be uh successful in the acc yeah and we touched on that side of the acc um that they're in that's a, a lot of good teams on that side so um tough for them but let's move on let's go to the big 12 we had a showdown between um two top 15 teams actually last week Oklahoma State Cowboys were on the road going to face off against the TCU Horn Frogs. We were on opposite sides of this one. It was a three and a half point spread. Dude, this one was killer for me. Oklahoma State is leading this game. And then TCU starts to mount a comeback, right? So we go into overtime because this game is tied up like most Big 12 games are at the at the end of four quarters, right? So I'm thinking three and a half. Okay, you know, obviously if they win by a field goal, that's not covering. But then Oklahoma State gets the ball first in overtime, and they kick a field goal. So I'm thinking, okay, TCU goes down, scores a touchdown, kicks the extra point. They win by four. I cover. Everyone but you is happy, and I'm good there, right? No. Apparently in college football, when you score the touchdown at the end there, they say, screw the extra point. We're happy winning by three. We're going to send AJ home in tears because that's exactly what happened. The <laughs> Horn Frogs get a win at my expense. They do not cover the three and a half. Uh, a three-point win for them. I mean, can we fix these overtime rules? Can we at least let them kick the extra point? Can we at least let the kicker run onto the field and do his job one more time? It's a walk-off. What more do you need to see? That point doesn't uh do anything for the score of the game or i need to the see an extra point. column for the I game see, i need to see a four point win that's what i need to see you need to see it uh but the rest of us don't we just want to get that game over with that was um, garbage but it was impressive i did not i picked oklahoma state to win this game outright and they don't but what i saw from them was actually really impressive I'm a little bit disappointed in their defense. I thought they had a much better defense than TCU, um, and I still think that. Uh, the problem is, dude, TCU is just so good at scoring touchdowns. I mean, it, it's really a sight to see. If you haven't watched any of these Horn Frog games this far this season, uh, I highly encourage you guys to take a look at one. Um, but Oklahoma State's offense is something that I think uh, a light was sh shined down upon however you say that, uh, this week. I didn't expect them to put up 40 points. I was thinking that they could maybe hold TCU's defense to a lower-scoring game and put up just enough points to win. Um, they don't put up enough points to win, but 40 points, still impressive by this team. It was a good game overall. Yeah, and we're actually touching on both of these teams again this week. Um, they both got some really interesting matchups that, that we want to talk about, so um, we'll touch on them again in here in just a minute. 
But um, we got two more games that we picked last week that we want to touch on. One of these was a definite surprise, and one of them was uh, right down to the last second. So let's go with that surprise. We had Mississippi State on the road against a Kentucky team that was kind of reeling after a loss. Mississippi State was a four-point road favorite. We both picked the Bulldogs. We're both wrong. Kentucky not only covers, but they win this game outright. What was the final score of that one? Final score was Kentucky 27, Mississippi State 17. Yeah, so a big 10-point win there for the Wildcats at home. They really needed that win. And uh, what went wrong for the Bulldogs here? Their air raid offense. Here's the deal with their air raid offense. They run it really well, but it's such a hit-or-miss offense that if you're not playing a team that's you that's not used to – defending 50 passes a game and you have a team that can go toe-to-toe with your receivers you got nothing else so so it it's it's automatically a one-dimensional offense that that's the whole design of it it's a one-dimensional pass heavy offense and that's very easy to game plan against and on the flip side kentucky their run game they win the turnover battle their defense plays good i mean everything seemed to go right for them and that's yeah. why the 10 point victors. Yeah, no, that that's a recipe for a win. If you ask me, especially if you're playing at home. So, um, I don't know. I was, I was higher on Kentucky than Mississippi state to begin the year. Um, but the way things had kind of progressed through the season, I was leaning Mississippi state in this one. And, uh, the Bulldogs just didn't have what it took. Uh, Kentucky's defense looked pretty good. And, uh, both these teams have, have got some big games coming up. So, uh, we'll, we'll probably touch on them again. But uh, let's move on to our last game of our pick six. Last week, this one was a damn good game. You're talking about undefeated number seven in the country last week, the USC Trojans. They were going on the road to face off against the number 20-ranked Utah Utes. And we said Utah is a a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. You were kind of questioning that one because you were really high on the Trojans. And while the Trojans do cover that three-and-a-half, it ends up being a win for the Utes. That one is forty-three to forty-two. Was that in overtime or was that in regulation? I think, I think that was that was uh, regulation. It came down to the to the very final drive, and USC couldn't put it together. Yeah, so a, a big win there for the Utes at home. Um, don't cover that three and a half, but they really needed that win, and um, that's a tough loss for a USC team that is uh, really going to have to win out to have a chance at the playoff now. Yeah, one loss isn't terrible. Um, if you were a fan of offense, this was the game for you because there was absolutely zero defense whatsoever in this entire game. Um, Utah really showed out. They're finally coming back. I feel like, like they're such a up-and-down team this year that we'd like to see them be a little bit more consistent. But uh, overall, it's a good win for them. It's not totally lost for USC, though. Look for them to come back. They've got everything that it takes to be a championship team. They just got to be able to put it back together. Yeah, I, I mean, we talked about uh, at least I was I was buying into Utah to begin the season. Obviously, losing that game on the road uh, against Florida was was not something that uh, they wanted to see happen. But uh, this was a a huge win for that program. I talked last week about how um, going on the road to Utah was going to be tough. They always play well at home. It was two road losses for them go, uh, going into this game. So um, they really needed that one, and they got it done, even if it was by one point. So 
Um, huge win there, but um, that is it for last week's picks. Let's see if we can get into some juicy games for this week, man. We got some damn good ones. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. Let's get into it. Can I get your best? Uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right, let's go. Let's jump in to this week's Saturday Six Picks. Man, we got some good ones again. A bunch of ranked on ranked, ranked on ranked matchups. Um, we got a couple in the Big 12, a couple in the SEC and ACC, and a Pac-12. Um, just no Big 10 representation this week, but uh, we are all across the country, so... Let's go ahead and jump into what should be a really good one. A couple of undefeated teams going at it. You got number 14, Syracuse, going on the road against number five, Clemson. And the Tigers are at home in Death Valley, favored by just under two touchdowns. It's 13 and a half. Big spread here. Uh, the largest spread of the week for us. Um, I'm sorry, the second highest spread for us. And it's a noon game. Kicking off on ABC is where you can find that one at. Uh, what are your initial thoughts when you think Orange and Tigers? Yeah, Syracuse's offense has been performing above expectations. You love to see it. But this will obviously be their biggest test of the year. Uh, another bright spot, DJ Uyunglele is solidified, validated, whatever you want to call it. He's playing with incredible numbers right now. He's on track to potentially reach 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns this week. Uh, I know we had a lot of questions going into the uh, week two, week three about him and, you know, if he was the starting quarterback at Clemson for much longer and he has been playing much better. I expect uh, Clemson to handle business here. This could be a trap game if they're not, you know, coming out ready to play. But I think with it being at home is exactly what they needed what the doctor ordered, and uh, I'm going to pick Clemson straight up and to cover. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said. I think, uh, obviously, um, we, along with a bunch of other people, had questions about DJ um, after the first couple weeks and especially coming off of a lackluster season last year. Um, but uh, I, I like what you said there. I think this could have potentially been a really big trap game for Clemson. But I think because Syracuse is undefeated, because they're ranked so highly in the top uh, 15, actually, of the AP poll, I think that gets Clemson's attention a little bit more. Um, so, I don't know. I Sy Syracuse's offenses look pretty good. Their defenses looked okay. Um, but when you talk about Clemson's defense, man, they're just shutting folks down. And uh, I, I see a scenario here where – it's a very real possibility that Syracuse doesn't score more than 10 points in this game. So if you're giving me Clemson at minus 13 and a half, I usually don't like these big numbers. I usually like to be on the other side of these big numbers, but I think two touchdowns is doable here for Clemson. Two tutties? Two tutties? I think it's doable, man. I think, uh, I think a noon game actually helps Syracuse in this spot. If it's a 3.30 or a night game, I would think um, that actually gives Clemson a better chance to uh, cover that spread. But um, I still like the Tigers in this one. I think 
what has to happen in your opinion for Syracuse to pull off the upset here, not to cover, but to pull off a road upset. Clemson having a defensive breakdown just absolutely all three phases, defensive line, linebackers, secondary, uh, just an absolute breakdown on their part. Okay. Um, Syracuse I, has the potential to score points. We've seen them do it this year. They can score points. So if Clemson's defense lets up, it's going to be a shootout. And you never know what happens when you get a shootout. Yeah. See, I, I feel like it's actually the opposite. I feel like um, Syracuse recipe to win this game um, is actually for Clemson's offense to sputter. I think if uh, Clemson comes out a little slow in this game, maybe Syracuse gets a lead early and they're able to kind of lean on their run game a little bit and lean on their defense. Um, if you can play a clean game and not commit turnovers or uh, accrue a bunch of penalty yards, I think uh, that's probably the recipe for this for this to uh, be an upset because, um, like we said, Clemson's defense is just too damn good. So I think if Clemson scores more than 20 points in this game, I think they win it. Because I just don't see Syracuse being able to do that, but um, but do they win by two touchdowns? Yeah, I still think they do. I think you know, even if it's twenty-four to ten or something like that, that's still covering. Um, it's not a huge win, but against a top fifteen team, I think if you're Dabo Swinney and the Tigers, I think you'd have to take that. So both on the side of the Tigers, we're taking them um, not only straight up to win that game, but against the spread as well. So uh, let's move on. Let's go to the SEC. We have a top 10 ranked Ole Miss. They're number seven to be exact. Seven and zero undefeated on the season. They're going on the road to Baton Rouge to the other Death Valley. Um, LSU and Clemson can kind of argue about which one is the real Death Valley there. But um, LSU is five and two on the year uh, with losses to FSU and Tennessee. They're actually favored at home by two now it's only two so let's call this a pick them you want to do that let's just let's just say who's going to win this game because when it's at two i don't really love you know picking that spread you got a 330 kickoff on cbs who wins this game and uh what do you think the recipe is for them to win that game oh brother what does vegas know that i don't I mean, they've got studs that you can list for days. Jackson Dart, Zach Evans, uh, Keenshawn Judkins, Jonathan Mingo. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, for me, it's it's one of those where I'm like, what am I not seeing here? Because, yeah. you know, obviously we're, we can talk about how an early game is in favor of the away team. Especially, I didn't think that was going to be the case. But Tennessee comes to town on a noon game and absolutely blows LSU out. I think Ole Miss has a very realistic chance of doing that. I think that they're just a more talented team. I don't think that this LSU home game is going to mean that, that much as far as, one, they're not traveling that far realistically. Yeah. Um, so it's not that big of a difference for Ole Miss. And, two, I, I think that, you know, this early start is not going to help LSU out whatsoever. I've got a, uh, I got the rebels. Okay. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you on that. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts on this LSU quarterback, Jaden Daniels, because I, 
I'm going to be honest. I, I was tough on him early in this season, uh, especially against FSU and, and the weeks following. Uh, he just didn't look like a quarterback that was going to be able to win them games, especially with his arm. Um, I talked about on a previous podcast how he's elite when he gets outside of the pocket and is able to use his legs to run and pick up first downs that way. Uh, but he, I felt like he was lacking the arm talent to uh, really push the ball downfield, get it to their playmakers. But last week against Florida in a big win for LSU, almost 350 yards passing and three touchdowns through the air. So what are your thoughts? Because I feel like he's starting to get his rhythm back. And with LSU being at home, 330 kickoff on CBS, this is kind of right where they would like to be, I think. He's good. He screams big, like bridge player vibes for me, just bridging the gap between uh, what they used to have and their next elite quarterback. I'm not going to put him in any kind of Heisman or top quarterback in the draft, you know, conversations whatsoever. Uh, but he hasn't been playing bad. He's doing what LSU is asking of him, which is a really big thing for a quarterback to one be able to do, especially when, you know, you're implementing a new offense, you have a new head coach. It's basically going to be a whole new program within the next couple of years than what you've seen under Ed Orgeron. Uh, so he kid plays his heart out, no doubt, but I don't think it's going to be to the level of Jackson Dart or this Ole Miss offense. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Oh man, I want to take LSU so bad here. I just feel like the stars are aligning in this game. I feel like, like I said, them being at home is a huge advantage. Oh man, it's tough. With it being a pick 'em game, LSU doesn't necessarily have to cover any kind of points or anything. Oh, you know what? Let me simmer on this one for a second. I'll come back to it. I'll give you my LSU Ole Miss pick here uh, here in a little bit because boy. I got to think on this one a little bit longer. I, I I was leaning Ole Miss coming into the podcast, but the more I, I've talked about it, I think I've talked myself into picking LSU, but I want to give myself a second not to overthink this. So let me come back to this pick. Let me, let's me let move on, and I'll come oh, back no, and no. give you pick this. Pick LSU. No, pick LSU. I'll give it to you here in a second. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's go to the Big 12 uh, before I do anything I'll regret. Um, you got number – Never before been done on the podcast. AJ does not pick. <laughs> I just don't give a pick at all. Um, no, it's coming. Give me a second to, to mull that over a little bit. Uh, let's do number 20, Texas Longhorns. They're 5-2. and A couple of close losses this year. Lost in overtime to Texas Tech. Lost that heartbreaker to Bama early in the season. We know about those. They're going on the road, though. They've got some momentum. Quinn Ewers is back. They're going to face off against an Oklahoma State team that is ranked number 11, 5-1. Their only loss being to TCU last week. And Texas is actually a six-point road favorite, 330 on ABC. Initial thoughts when you think Longhorns Cowboys. Yeah, tough loss to TCU last week for the Cowboys. Um, I don't think that was necessarily what we're going to see going forward from Oklahoma State. But I think we're finally getting a glimpse of the Texas that we expect at the beginning of the season with quarterback Quinn Ewers coming back. And it's going to be a little bit too much for Oklahoma State to handle uh, because Oklahoma State's defense, you've got to respect Quinn Ewers throwing the ball. But that's a big issue when that – that means that you're not stacking the box as much against 
a Heisman favorite running back in B. John Robinson, uh, who's going to be able to see holes and fill them quite easily. So I think the two headed snake on offense for Texas is a little bit too much for Oklahoma state to game plan against. Um, The big question to me is what Texas defense are we going to see? Yeah. Are we going to see a Texas defense where they shut out Oklahoma and they play extremely well in the secondary against Alabama? Or are we going to see a Texas defense that's been a little bit spotty throughout the season? Yeah, no, I think those are all great points. I think uh, for this game, it it really comes down to uh, just playing within your identity. I think uh, Texas has really established their identity as we're going to hand the ball to Bijan Robinson. And then when we need to, we're going to take those play action shots with Ewers. Um, and he's looked really good since returning from injury. Uh, obviously knocked out of the uh, Alabama game. But since he's gotten back, he's he's looked stellar. He's looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, and on the other hand, I, I've been a little less than impressed with Spencer Sanders. Um, I think the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause for taking Texas with uh, the six points here is that this game is at Oklahoma State. Now, we've seen Texas play really well at home, Okay. Their only loss at home was a twenty to nineteen loss to Alabama. Um, so we've seen that that you know that that Texas crowd there in uh, DK um, DKR Stadium has you know done them wonders. But their other loss was on the road against Texas Tech. So and other than that, they really haven't played a true away game. So that that gives me a little bit of a pause. I think um, I think I'm still going to take Texas here. But uh, I honestly will not be super surprised if Oklahoma State not only covers six, but wins this game outright. So you're picking Oklahoma State, huh? Yeah, I'm going to take, uh, take Oklahoma State. And uh, no, I'm going to take Texas. Um, I'm going to take Texas to cover the six and, w- and win, obviously. But uh, Oklahoma State has a very real chance to not only cover, but to win that game. Although I'm taking Texas. And you know what? We're going LSU. We're going LSU over Ole Miss outright, winning that game at home. I'm taking the Tigers. I got a good feeling about it. Vegas knows something that we don't, and usually that means something. We said that about the LSU-Tennessee game, and that didn't work out. But <laughs> You throw uh, yourself out of it again? I'm taking Tigers. I'm going to roll with them. I like that they've got some momentum. I think uh, Jaden Daniels has looked much better over the last few weeks. So I'll take LSU. I'll take Texas. Um, only one game that we're on different sides so far is the SEC game. So through three, it'll be a pleasure to have a better record than you next week. Uh Aha. We'll be watching those, uh, three 30 kickoffs very closely. Um, speaking of a three 30 kickoff, we got a pack 12 showdown between two top 10 ranked teams. You got number nine, UCLA six and zero, headed to Eugene. Facing off against number 10, Oregon Ducks. Their 5-1 only loss so far was week one to our Georgia Bulldogs. The Ducks are six-point favorites at home, 3-30 on Fox. What do you think? This should be a really good game. Yeah, dude, these two teams are 
so similar in comparison that it's kind of scary to me. Um, I see a lot of the same things uh, from one team to another. The big difference for me is Oregon's defense is much better thanks to head coach Dan Lanning. He's got such a defensive background being the defensive coordinator at Georgia before this. The over-under here is set at 71 and a half, which usually, usually you think, yeah, that's probably pretty attainable. That's, you know, high 30-point game for each team or a 40-30 yeah. uh, game. I'm going to go out here and say that you should take the under here. Oh, I think okay. this game – I think you could see this game being a little bit more defensive than that. Sometimes when you see these high over-unders, you're expecting these teams to score a lot of points. That's when they have a little bit of a hiccup, and it's not necessarily a shootout. And with these teams being so similar, and and honestly, this is probably the most fairly matched game that we might have seen thus far, or at least covered on the podcast this season. Yeah. Um, I think that it could be very back and forth, game of field position, game of – winning the turnover battle, limiting mistakes. Um, But at the end of the day, I think Oregon's defense is just slightly better than UCLA. UCLA's had a storybook season so far, um, but it's got to come to an end here. Being in Eugene, it's going to be a little bit much for the Bruins, and uh, we're going to go Oregon. Okay, yeah, I I totally agree. I think uh, I'll be honest, bro. I'm just going to say it. I think UCLA is pretending. I think that they have gotten some wins that maybe they shouldn't have gotten. Um, I do like their quarterback, uh, DTR. He's been around for a long time. But so is Bo Nix. And you talk about scary places to play. The zoo, Eugene, Oregon, is up there. Probably the toughest place to play in the Pac-12. 330, that's exactly where Oregon wants this game to be. Um, and really other than that Georgia game, Oregon's looked really good. They've blown out every team that they've played, um, aside from maybe Washington state, that was a little bit closer, but, um, they have looked dominant so far, putting up points left and right. I want to say they scored 70 points in a game this season. Um, so that, that 70 points from them, uh, if they could get close to that, then they'll easily, they might cover the, the, uh, over under themselves, but. Uh, yeah, I think the Bruins are pretenders, man. I'm going with Oregon big. I think this could be a 10-plus point win. So uh, six is not enough here. I'm riding with the Ducks as well. I'm not going to go big, but I do think I'm I'm going to stick with Oregon, but I disagree with you on the Oregon big. I think they just barely cover. Do you think UCLA is actually a good team? I wouldn't call them a pretender. I think that they are a very solid team. I don't think that they're a championship level team. What's their but, what's their sorry to cut you off? What's their recipe for a win in this one? Do you think uh controlling the clock, handing the ball to uh Zach Charbonnet often, making this a shorter game? Yeah, Zach Charbonnet is probably a top five running back in the draft. Um, the dude's nice, but it's all the same keys that for the reason I'm picking Oregon. It's field position, it's controlling the clock, it's winning the turnover battle, limiting yeah. mistakes. I'm picking Oregon because I think that they do all those things just a little bit better than UCLA. Sure. But if UCLA flips that script and they do it a little bit better, yeah, I do think that they could 
at the very least, cover the game. All right. So my LSU pick is the only one that we are on opposite sides through four. Um, we got one more SEC matchup, one more Big 12 matchup. Both of these could be uh, really sneaky good games. Let's head to the SEC. We got a Mississippi State team that took a tough one on the chin last week. They're still ranked in the top 25. They're five and two, but they're going on the road against what would we what we would expect to be a pissed off Alabama team. They are now number six in the AP poll, six and one with that loss being to Tennessee. Three touchdowns is the spread here. Alabama favored by 21 points at home. Seven o'clock kickoff on ESPN. Man, that's a huge spread for a team that lost last week. There's two trains of thought here for me. Number one, obviously, Bama is pissed off, and they're primed to bully somebody around. I mean, that's what they want to do, and they have even more reasons to do it now. Second one, Tennessee wrote the blueprint on how to beat Alabama on Saturday. Throw the ball and beat Alabama secondary over the top, which, guess what? Mississippi State is very good at throwing the ball. It's Sorry, air raid did, offense. Sorry, did Tennessee write that blueprint or did Texas? Because Texas did the same damn thing. They were just a little too late there, and Bryce Young managed to save them. But uh, Texas did that. Texas A&M did that. They weren't able to pull those wins out. But Alabama has looked shaky in a few of their games, not just last week. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. I think – Tennessee maybe just executed that blueprint a little bit better than those other two aforementioned teams. Sure. Um, so, you know, with that being said, this is an air raid offense in Mississippi State with a pretty dang good quarterback, you know, controlling it all. Yep. They do that thing very well. So if they can execute on a high level and – pass the ball effectively, frequently, I think that there's a very big case to make where uh, they're able to cover the spread. However, uh, I knew it was I got to go. I got to go with my first train of thought. Dude, Alabama does not like being told that they're not one of the top teams in the country, and they're not. They are on the outside looking in for this playoff right now. Obviously, a lot of football still have to be played before we start deciding all of that for the playoffs. Playoffs. Um, well, that that's fine if you don't like being told that you're one of the top teams in the country. But damn it, you got to do something about it. Life. I got to take Alabama, man. Twenty-one points. I don't like going against them very often. I did do it last week, and it was successful. But Mississippi State is a team that I'm much less confident in, in than Tennessee. Man, I don't know that. That 21 is just a lot, a lot for a team that we've had questions about for the last few weeks. Um, their defense has not looked great. Uh, I mean, we talked about it in, in our um, recap of last week. This team just doesn't look like the Alabama that we're used to. Can I say it? They look soft, dude. They look Charmin soft. Like, I don't know, man. Something about this Alabama team is not what we're used to seeing. They're undisciplined. They shoot themselves in the foot. They turn the ball over. Uh, they don't have playmakers on the offensive side of the ball aside from Gibbs. And for some reason, they don't like to give him the ball. 
let's not even touch on their wide receivers and uh it was just dropping passes last week dropping passes and slapping fans i mean did you, did you see that i mean oh man it's just it's it's a lot going on i think uh man i don't love mississippi state either that's why this is such a tough pick i mean you lose by 10 to kentucky we didn't think Kentucky was a great team going into last week. We we thought Mississippi State would beat them, and then they lose by ten. So I don't know. I kind of hate both of the both of these sides. Oh man, uh, Alabama is just prime, dude. You yeah, can't, you can't poke a giant like like Tennessee did and not expect retaliation. And this is going to be a retaliation game. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think, uh, man, I think I'm going to take Bama as well. Uh, this could this could very well be another close game for Bama, and I honestly won't be surprised if it is. Like, if we come back next week and Bama wins this game by a field goal, I'm, I'm not going to say I was surprised um, because the, somehow Vegas still loves them. They're still putting them as three touchdown I'd favorites. I'd be surprised. But, uh, I'd be very surprised. I don't know. They just against Texas, against Texas A&M. You know, obviously we know what happened last week against Tennessee. I'm going to keep harping on it because I believe it. I think this Bama team is not one of the Bama teams of old coming into the season. There were such high expectations for this team. People talking about this team was better than last year's team that went to a national championship game. I don't know, man. It's just it's tough for me to pick them up. If Mississippi State wins that game last week against, against Kentucky, I might take them outright to win this game. But uh, because they didn't look great in that game, I think I'm I'm rolling on the same side as you. I'm going I'm to take Bama as well. All right, let's go to this last one. We are headed back to the Big 12. We got a really good showdown here. You got number 17, Kansas State. Only one loss on the year, but it was an ugly one to Tulane. They're going on the road against a number 8, TCU who are 6-0, and oh, undefeated. The Horn Frogs are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. You got an 8 p.m. night kickoff, Fox Sports 1. What are your thoughts, man? You got Wildcats and Horn Frogs. Purple on purple matchup. Uh, yeah. Gone over this before. Don't, Pick don't, a different color. Don't, don't call Oklahoma. <laughs> Both these teams are 4-1-1 one, and one against the spread so far this season. So it is very interesting that it's such a low spread at three and a half. Uh, Adrian Martinez has been a little bit underwhelming for me after, since beating Oklahoma. Kansas State barely wins 10-9 versus Iowa State last week. Meanwhile, albeit some narrow victories, but TCU has won three in a row against all AP top 25 teams. Can anybody stop Max Duggan at this point? Are Who? we not talking about Who? Are we talking about the my, Duggan my boy? Show? My boy Duggan? In, are we talking about him in New York at the end of the season? Maybe. Or at least on a very short list of runner-ups. So are you still calling me crazy for taking Max Duggan over Will Levis? Because it's the Duggan yeah, show, I'm, baby. I, I have to give you that one 100%. You were completely right on that one. Um, I will certainly give you Max Duggan over Will Levis. I don't know if NFL scouts agree with us, but yeah. so far from what we've seen and what these two quarterbacks have put out, I have to give it to you. You're right. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
I don't know. I like Adrian Martinez. I think um, he's uh, one of only two FBS quarterbacks that have not thrown an interception this year. Now, albeit he's only got four passing touchdowns, um, has not necessarily lit it up with his arm, but uh, he is very effective on the ground. He, he likes to scramble. He's a senior, uh, so he's got plenty of experience. But uh, I've been riding with the Horned Frogs this year. I've picked them several times. And I want to say I've been right pretty much every time other than that uh, damn extra point that they refused to kick at the end of last week. So, um, I don't know. I like TCU. I think I'm going to take them as well. Three and a half is a little scary. It's that it's that half that's getting me here. I could definitely see them winning by a field goal. Um, I don't know. Kansas State, the only thing that bothers me, yes, they beat Oklahoma, but we now know that Oklahoma is not a great team. Um, losing that game to Tulane is kind of scary to me. Um, yes, it was early in the season. Yes, they've kind of turned some things around, figured some things out. But um, I don't know. I'm liking TCU as well. I think three and a half is just right where I would like to pick this game. I think they could win it by four. Um, night game obviously helps them being at home. Max Duggan show, Kendra Miller. That wide receiver, Quentin Johnson, I know I've talked about him a few times on the podcast, and it isn't for no reason because um, he's looked like a stud. He, he might end up being a first-round pick. We're going to need a Max Duggan sound bit after the yeah. end of this podcast because we've talked enough about this guy. Uh, he's Take getting it. it done. Look wanna... out. College football world, look out. This dude is legit. If you want to play a drinking game with the Saturday Six podcast, take a shot every time uh, I say Max Duggan. <laughs> Max Duggan, Max Duggan, Max Duggan. All right. So uh, And now they- you're all shit-faced. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there it is, man. That's our six for this week. We, I mean, if it wasn't for me uh, flipping the script and p- picking LSU there, we're on the side, same side for every single one of these games. So, uh um, I think we took the favorite in every single game too. So, um, uh, no, I took Ole Miss. Yeah, as a pick other one. than that, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we're taking <laughs> the favorites. A uh, lot of underdogs winning uh, against the spread this season, but uh, we feel like this is a week where uh, a lot of the home favorites are going to pull these off. So, um, favorites for a reason. That's right. On the same side for Clemson, Syracuse, we're both like the Tigers. Opposite sides, obviously, Ole Miss, LSU. I took LSU reluctantly, but I took them. Tyler's taking the Rebels. Um, On the same side, we both took Texas over Oklahoma State. We both like Oregon over UCLA. Both like the Tide over the Bulldogs at home. And then same side for uh, TCU, Kansas State. We both like the Horned Frogs. So any final thoughts for me, my guy? Uh, Anything you want to wrap it up with? No, it's an exciting uh, week eight matchup. So we got, if you guys are liking what you've been hearing so far throughout the season, and if you've made it this far in the podcast, you like the podcast, go ahead, admit it, hit the follow button, give us a five-star rating if you can. um, And we'll be right back here next week to recap these games. And we'll have a whole new slate of Saturday six. Absolutely. And you know who I know listened to the whole episode? That's our boy in Aiken, South Carolina, Donald Davidson. Shout out to Donald Davidson. Sorry this podcast is getting to you a little bit late. I was uh, struggling through the flu this week. But you know what? 
I show up anyways, and it's because of guys like you, Donald. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a loyal supporter. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. See you.